It's always exciting to get called in for an interview, but it's something that you don't want to screw up. Here's how to make the best impression when you go in for your next job interview. Welcome to Adulting, a podcast where we want to adult every day. Download episodes at adulting.tv. Welcome to Adulting. I am Harlan and I'm here with Miranda. How are you, Miranda? I am doing well. How are you, Harlan? I'm doing well, too. So have you been on an interview recently? I actually have. <laughs> when, I, <laughs> when, I, when I applied for this job at Student Loan Hero, I did end up having to go through interviews, several rounds of them. <laughs> so how did that go? It was a little bit nerve wracking because I hadn't had such an interview for several years. And so I ended up having to go through, I think it was three rounds of interviews and it was it was a little nerve-wracking, but it was good because it really kind of forced me to pay attention to the way the landscape has changed a little bit, but also be aware of the kinds of things that we do have to think about if we're getting ready to go to an interview. So, but yeah, it was a little bit nerve wracking because you kind of started out with the main manager and then they did a different interview with somebody like the person who is going to be working directly above you so they could get a feel for how you would fit with them. And then finally an interview with the CEO and the COO at the same time. Uh, spoiler alert for listeners, Miranda did get the job. Um, <laughs> That's right. Getting the interview in the first place, in general, is it only 2% of applicants actually get called in for an interview? So you're already in the 98th percentile. I know, winning right there. So yeah, uh, Robert Meyer, the president of Job Market Experts, told the folks at Workopolis that only about 2% of applicants actually make it through to the job interview. So once you get through there, you've done something right. But then you have to realize, like you said, you're in the 98th percentile. Everybody else is also super great. So you've got to nail that interview if you want to be the final candidate. Yeah, so let's talk about nailing that interview. Do you do you think you nailed that interview with Student Loan Hero? I don't know. <laughs> I, I like to think I did a decent job because they did hire me. How did you feel about it when you came out of it? I felt pretty good because I think I, I had taken the time to, and this is part of preparation for an interview, I had taken the time to learn about Student Loan Hero. I'd heard about them before. Uh, look at their mission, kind of look at their values. And then there were two people working at Student Loan Hero already that I knew personally. And so having that idea of, you know, what the company's values and mission were really helped me in terms of knowing that this was a place that I was okay working at. And then that kind of made the interview go a little bit better just because I already knew that their values kind of meshed with my values, if that makes sense. And having friends who were already working for the company must have given you some really good insight into what the company was like. Oh, yeah, definitely. And before I even went in for my first interview, before I even applied, I did reach out to the guy that's 
I guess, two people above me now. I don't know, whatever. But he's somebody that I've known for a few years. And I did reach out to him and I said, you know, hey, I'm thinking about this. Uh, what do you like about it? What don't you like about it? And can you give me a little information about the company? And honestly, uh, Student Loan Hero is hiring right now. And I've had people reach out to me on LinkedIn, people that I know reach out to me on LinkedIn and ask me the same kinds of questions because they're getting ready to apply. So say there's a company that you're really interested in, uh, but you don't know anybody who's working there. How do you how do you make like an inside connection? Do you have any suggestions for that? <laughs> well, it sounds like you're interviewing me right now. Yeah, I know. <laughs> I'm, I'm just I'm, I'm thinking of these things, and you know, I'm usually in the style of interviewing. But yeah, yeah I try to come up with some answers myself, maybe. But but I don't know. What do you What do you think? I don't know. I think one of the first steps uh, right now, especially if you're in the same similar industry or whatever, and we've talked about this in the past a little bit about LinkedIn when we were talking about resumes. And I know how much you love LinkedIn, Harlan. I know it's your favorite thing. <laughs> oh, yeah. <laughs> but LinkedIn is a really great tool because you can go through and you can see who's at a company you're interested and see who you have connections with, right? So I actually had a couple people have connected with me in the last couple of months who I don't know professionally or personally, but we have at least like five or six connections in common. And so they reached out to me, connected with me, say, Hey, we have these couple of connections in common. I'm interested in applying for student loan hero. Do you mind if we connect? And I ask you a few questions. And because sometimes I like to be helpful, I say yes. But that's one thing you can do is look and say, okay, who works at whatever the company is? And then look and see, okay, what connections do they have in common with me? And is there a connection that they have in, you know, a couple connections they have in common with me that I know and respect? And there's a good chance that these guys know and respect them as well, at least on a professional level, even if not on a personal level. And so being able to find somebody where you have those similar connections on LinkedIn can be very helpful because the point of LinkedIn is to grow your network. And everybody knows that. And if you're just coming out of the blue randomly, you don't have any shared connections, then it looks a little bit weird. But if you can say, okay, we have two or three connections that are the same, then it's more of a natural extension of the network. Yeah, it's, this is all basic networking. Just find ways to get information. It's not so much about impressing yourself upon these other people who you may get to know within the company. It's about finding out insider information as much as possible, not so much about the company's finances or anything like that. You're just trying to figure out what the culture is and whether you'd fit in there. Because for me, an interview isn't just about the company trying to determine if you are the right fit for them. An interview is a two-way experience. It goes both ways. It's for you to find out whether the company is the right fit for you. There has to be that sort of power dynamic there. Um, you don't want to get – there shouldn't be one part – obviously, you're looking for a job. So you're the one who is looking and and – hopefully going to get hired and trying to impress them. But a good company will try to impress you as well. And they, they want to find the best candidate and they're hoping that you're the best candidate. So I think in that respect, an interview, we try to prepare by anticipating what questions they're going to ask us when we go on this interview. But I think it's just as important or even more important to think of the questions that you're going to ask them and be prepared to really determine if this company 
and this culture that you're entering into is the right fit for you. And try to look at an interview from that perspective, and suddenly you have a lot more power, you have a lot more confidence, and this is about a decision you're going to make, not a decision the company is going to make. Yeah, you're right. I mean, it isn't just about you trying to impress the company, and it isn't just about you begging for a job. It's also about them trying to find the right fit because really teams work best and companies do best when you have a, a good mix of people and you have a good mix of strengths and weaknesses that can complement each other. And so part of the interview process isn't just answering questions by rote. It's about having a real exchange and, and getting ready for that. And but, you know, you do have to prepare and you do have to show some sort of insight because once you start getting into these jobs and once you start moving into jobs, especially jobs that require you to do more than just make somebody a cup of coffee, not that there's anything wrong with that, but once you start moving into jobs that require you to make more decisions and think more critically, your preparation becomes more important. And the way that you provide insight and have an exchange with the, your interviewers matters a lot more. And you do have to be aware of what some of the potential questions are going to be, because that is important to the company, and, and you will be evaluated based on how you respond to certain situations they provide to you and ask you to come up with a solution, or just, just you know questions about your values and desires. Have you given any thought to uh, how you would answer a question that pertains to how you see yourself within five years? I mean, that's that's a pretty standard interview question, and uh, they're looking to see what type of mindset you have, whether you have a growth mindset or whether you have given any thought whatsoever to, to your career aspirations and goals. So I, th I think it's important to kind of get a, you know, get, get, get a handle on some of the more likely questions that you will be asked, but also to prepare your own questions that show that you have an insightful view of, of what you're doing. And more so than responding to their questions, the feedback I've received from interviews, and granted I haven't been on a job interview in a long time, but I always ask for feedback afterwards. And the feedback I've received is that they've always been impressed by the questions that I've asked. And, you know, it shows that I've given a lot of thought to what the uh, potentials might be in the job position. And so I think it's important to, to come prepared to have that type of discussion. So some of the things that I know that I've asked before are about the expectations of the position. You want to make sure that you have full awareness of what your role is. Sure, you can read some of that from the job description, but there are always nuances that are not clear in the job description. And the only way to get to that, well, aside from just getting the job and then and then seeing it for yourself, is is asking questions that kind of lead to that type of response. Like, you know, how are current employees evaluated? Uh, how often do they receive feedback? What is my expectation for communication with, with those who, you know, supervise me? How is progress evaluated? What's what's your system of uh, you know what kind of metrics do you look at, and um, you know how often does that happen? Ask about the department or the company, whatever it happens to be, your work group. Ask about whether it's growing, whether there have been any challenges in the recent past, and how the department is getting through those challenges, and and how they're working together. I think all of those things show that you give a lot of thought into what it's going to be like working for this company and whether they're whether you're about to be faced with any challenges that you don't really that you don't anticipate if you don't answer if you don't ask those questions. 
Yeah, that makes a lot of sense. And thinking ahead to that and, and making those plans, I actually hate the what's your five-year plan question because <laughs> because my problem is is my five-year plan is uh, almost always get my son through high school <laughs> and then figure out where I'm at. But that's okay. That's an honest answer. And I'm telling you, you know, these honest answers are a lot better than coming up with something that sounds like it's going to be what you think the interviewer wants to hear. But a lot of interviewers, not all of them, can see right through that sort of thing. Just be yourself. And and I think that that's one of the biggest pieces of advice that you can give about impressing at an interview is be yourself. And, you know, if you're an impressive person otherwise, which of course you are because you're listening to adulting, if you're listening to us, if you're part of our audience, and obviously you're a very good person, and you show that in your interview, you show that you're a good person, you show that you're strong, you show that you're confident, and, you know, vulnerability and honesty uh, as well. And, and all of these things go into who you are as a person. Everybody's a combination. And be yourself in these interviews. My last corporate interview was exactly that. I interviewed with a few people. I was moving from one department to another uh, inside a financial corporation. And I had a pretty strong interview, I felt. The manager who, who interviewed me, we immediately started talking about things we had in common within and outside of the job. And we were able to build a rapport immediately. Being personable is such a huge skill that helps you in interviews. And just being able to connect with someone, to identify those things that you have in common, and be passionate about those things, all of that really helped me. And I know that I just kind of nailed that interview. Now, of course, after that, there's the whole follow once you're in the job it's a it's a whole different skill set that you have to have to to move forward but getting through that interview and succeeding and getting the job offer right away is is all about building that rapport and being honest and showing them who you are yeah and i think that that's an important part of it but you know also there are other things that you need to do to be prepared for your interview and part of that is uh, making sure that you're put together enough to make a good impression. Y you can be the most wonderful, insightful, marvelous person in the world, but if you walk in there looking like a total slouch, they're going to have a hard time seeing past that. <laughs> so <laughs> I, I think it's important to to kind of prepare ahead of time. You know, find out from somebody at the company what is the proper attire for somebody doing your job, and make sure that you're dressed for that job. Take some time in the morning, get a good night's sleep, eat a breakfast, whatever it is that you need to feel your best in the morning, you want to make sure that you're prepared for that because you want to feel good. You don't want to feel hungry. You don't want to feel tired. You don't want to feel frazzled as you're leaving the house in the morning. I usually try and get up <laughs> for these interviews. It was just done over the done over the computer. And that's something else to think about too, actually, because you know I did my interviews all via Skype or Google Hangouts the last time I did interviews. So I did a quick check around my room. And so yeah, I still have a big sword hanging on my wall, but I got rid of the clutter. I pushed the clutter to the side so that you couldn't see see it. And I made sure that even though I was wearing sweatpants, that my top still looked professional <laughs> and I'd done my hair and makeup. So so it's important to kind of present that professional image, uh, whether you're going in person or whether you're doing it over video. Why even bother with the sweatpants at that point? <laughs> <laughs> well, you know, it's about feeling comfortable too. And, sure. <laughs> and, and just sitting there in my underwear was probably not going to make me feel comfortable. I needed to be comfortable. So the sweatpants, the sweatpants that were key. Yeah, and you know, dressing, dressing up does put you in a different mindset. 
even beyond interviews, if, if there's something that you need to do and you, you know you need to get something done and you're doing it from home, just get dressed anyway. It just helps a whole lot. But what Miranda's saying is exactly right. You have to dress appropriately for the job. Different jobs have different expectations and know what they are going in. And even dress maybe uh, you know a little better than you expect you'd need to on the job uh, because that, that does show in, in some ways that you are... You are serious about the opportunity and you do want to be considered. You just don't have to, you don't have to overdo it. You don't have to go too far with it, but you should go maybe one step or half a step a little, little nicer than you would expect to be doing on a daily basis. And resting up is important too. I, you mentioned that you mentioned getting sleep. Jobs interviews are one of the most stressful things in most people's lives, right? And that can cause people to have anxiety and to lose sleep and all of that just works against you. So whatever it takes to relax, whether it's meditation or if you have prescribed medication, those those are, you know, things to look at as well. You have to be ready to go and the best way to prepare is to get a good night's sleep. So you you are going to want to do that and find a way to make that happen. That can just it's just one of those difficult things in a lot of people's lives and you can only do what you can do, but just know that being relaxed as you enter a situation like this. And again, maybe remembering that this is about you interviewing them as well. And you do have power to make the decision here. Yes or no. It's not just about what they're doing for you. That could be something that helps you approach it in a more relaxed manner, or you just have to find what works for you. And finally, as as you're doing that, try to show up early. When you're doing an interview like this, if you show up on time, you're actually late. You've heard that saying before, right? If you're early, you're on time. And if you're on time, you're late. Well, that's true in an interview situation. You want to be ready to go and you want to show up early. You want to give yourself plenty of time. And I like to make sure that if I get there early, and this was way back in the day, because now, of course, I did my last interview online. And so I didn't have to worry about this. But the last time I went in for an in-person interview, and this was like a decade ago, but the last time I did an in-person interview... I brought uh, my Kindle with me so that I could read something while I was waiting because I was about 15 minutes early and then the interview ahead of me went over. And so, you know, it really helped calm me and it gave us something to talk about because the first question they asked when I went in was, what was I reading? So if you're there and you've got your phone, I actually suggest if you want to impress somebody not to be on, you know, don't be on Facebook, <laughs> have your Kindle app and be reading news or, 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 you know, read news or something, but don't be playing on like, don't be playing candy crush when they open the door to call you in, I guess. Well, you make a really good point about showing up early, preparing for the possibility of something going wrong as you're trying to get to your interview, I think is really important because how many times are we, this is a stressful situation. It is more stressful than usual. And when there is stress, other distractions become more frequent. It just things seem to happen more often that get in the way of, of doing what we want to do. Whenever I'm running late, I guarantee I'm going to hit more red lights, you know, or I'm going to pass an accident and going to be stuck in traffic. The way to prepare for that is to eliminate that stress, be relaxed and give yourself so much time that you think it's almost excessive so that if anything does happen, if there are any obstacles that get in your way on the way to the interview, instead of having to call them and say, listen, I'm running late, 
you will still get there and you will have a story, a, a human story to share when you get there about how something happened along the way. Those kinds of things just, again, show how human you are and and, and uh, bring out your personality when you can tell a story, even if it isn't related to the job. It's related to getting to the job, so I'm sure that you can find a way to share it. Just you don't want to start that with, I'm going to be late because no one likes to hear excuses. So what? It's not your fault. doesn't matter. You're still late. Yeah. And that's a really good point. I mean, there are lots of things that can come in and there are things that you can't control, but they still make a difference and they're still, you know, influencing the end result. And so when you're planning and preparing and getting ready to get someplace, it's really vital that you think ahead and say, all right, would I rather show up 20 minutes early and be totally bored while I wait for my interview? Or do I want to end up being five minutes late and running in there in this red faced huff? Once you do walk in the door and it's time for the interview and you sit down, uh, there's a few things that you should keep in mind just to give off the best impression. And that's what this episode is about. We want to impress at this interview and probably the most impressive personality trait, which can be faked if you do not have it, but you should prepare so you do have it. And that's confidence. Confidence can be tasted in the air. And you don't want so much that you appear to be arrogant. You don't want to be arrogant, but you do want to believe that the end result of the interview is going to be the end result that you want, whether that's getting the job or whether that's getting the experience of interviewing or whether it's being able to turn down an offer or whether it's being able to encourage them to give you a better salary offer. Whatever the goal is of this interview, you want to feel that you are going to get that out of this encounter. And and that that is the type of confidence that is good without being arrogant. Yeah, and you want to make sure that you're uh, presenting yourself in a – it's a really fine line to walk. That's hard, right? Because you want to make sure that you're showing, hey, I'm successful. I can bring more success to your company and I can add all this value. But at the same time, you don't want to like, oh, hey, I'm bragging about myself. It's a really fine line to walk and it's a really hard one to kind of find that balance between you know true humility and being able to say, yeah, I here are, here are my strengths and I can help you, uh, but not coming off as a total jerk. Yeah, and it's interesting because from what I understand, it is a lot more difficult for women to appear confident without being arrogant or bitchy than it is for a man. Uh, the same type of words, the same body language from a man could be considered confident, while the same approach or body language or words from a woman might not be interpreted the same way, and that is it doesn't even matter whether the interviewer, whether the person running the interview is a man or a woman. They both tend to feel the same way, this difference between men and women in an interview. Well, I don't know if I have any answers to that, but you know, like you said, it's a fine line, and that line is going to be different depending on whether you identify as a man or a woman. Yeah, I think part of it is a shift in society. And I think we're seeing some of those shifts. One of the things I have noticed since working with like Student Loan Hero, it's these younger, more millennial focused and run companies uh, seem to not have those same hangups. 
about Whitman. I, um, because they seem to want us to get out there and, and want us to be more visible and take a bigger role. And so I have kind of seen a shift. It's a slow shift. And I think that there are definitely still perception problems, but I think that it is making a slow change. It, either way, it's something to be aware of so that you, unfortunately, you have to constantly monitor how you think your attitude is being uh, interpreted. And that adds a whole additional layer of complexity to the dynamic of an interview situation. And uh, one of the important things about confidence is eye contact. And again, just like finding the line between confidence and arrogance, you have to find the line between the right amount of eye contact and, and too much because a good amount of eye contact is confident while too much is creepy and will set people, you know, make people feel uncomfortable. That is just one of those things that that takes practice. And you do want to make eye contact. You do want to show your confidence through your eyes and through your excitement and passion through your eyes. But you've got to look away once in a while. You cannot stare. Obviously, look at the person who's talking, do lock eyes a little bit here and there because that shows that you are paying attention and you are giving you are giving the person who's speaking uh, the attention that they need. But don't stare; just take breaks. Make sure you're blinking. Um, that should just be natural. You don't need to overblink or underblink. Just be natural and just find that right balance with your eyes because the eyes are so important. And that's the hard thing is because one of the problems that I have as a woman is I don't usually come off creepy if I'm making too much eye contact. I come up as off as flirting. So I have to you have to be careful, right? <laughs> if you blink your eyes too much, now you're suddenly batting your lashes. So yeah, you do have to walk that line as well and try and make sure you're portraying yourself as professionally as possible so that you're not accidentally giving off signals. You know, the, the handshake is, you know, one of the most important things of an interview as well. Uh, it's, it's, it's an important thing. It's, it's definitely not the most important thing. But again, it's all about confidence. You want to, uh, especially if you need to show that you can shake hands and present yourself in a strong manner. Of course, you don't need to squeeze and you don't need to crush bones. You just need to have a firm handshake. You need to make that physical connection because this is just one of those American traditions. I mean, I don't know how else to explain it. It's a part of business. It's a part of socialization. Being able to greet someone with a handshake that is confident and not too weak is just seen as a signal for how you are as a person, whether it's true or not. It doesn't matter. It doesn't matter if you think that a handshake is not indicative of anything important because you're right. It's not really, but society expects it a certain way. And there are certain conforming things that we have to do in order to get by in society. And this just happens to be one of those things. Is that the same for women? Yeah. Well, I don't know. I, I mean, I do. People actually comment to me a lot of the time when I'm shaking hands at a community networking event, I get a lot of comments about how I have a firm handshake. People are surprised by my firm handshake. So I think that they're not used to feeling it from a woman, if that makes sense. But I think it's important to have one. I don't know. I don't like, I don't like fish hands. <laughs> it's just my <laughs> personal preference. Right. But I mean, I've actually, I mean, I'm in a more traditional community. I've actually been in situations where I will go to shake somebody's hand and they will kind of like, especially if it's an older gentleman, let's say, 
they will kind of take my hand and sort of turn it a little bit and then engulf it in two hands. Mm-hmm. Do you know what I'm saying? Like, yeah. and, and, and it's something that they do a lot with me as a woman that I don't see them doing with men. I mean, there are some, there are some people that when they shake hands, they use two hands and that's just how they are. But, um, I've noticed though that, you know, I get a lot of men above the age of 60 in my community <laughs> often <laughs> use the two handed shake for women and not for men. And they kind of engulf it and, Oh, it's so nice to meet you, honey, or something like that. <laughs> oh, I'm like, I am at a networking event. <laughs> Well, there are certainly many styles, and that is something that is probably a little out of favor with uh, current business trends. But but at, you know, and especially the honey thing, the deer. Uh, we we don't, we don't you don't you don't see a lot of that, or you shouldn't see a lot of that in in most situations these days with with people who are under the age of sixty, like you said. But you know, it's interesting talking about handshakes. I remember meeting the daughter of uh, it's huge financial companies. CFO. For some reason there was some event and the daughter was there. And of course, this is, you know, the family that has lived in wealth for generations and private school, boarding school. I don't know the whole, the whole deal. And, you know, I went to shake her hand and she just kind of like left her hand there. I, I don't even know how to explain it, but it was very kind of old fashioned and I wasn't used to it. I didn't know whether I was supposed to like kiss her hand or something. Is that what people do? I don't know. But but this was more of a social situation, not a business situation, but it was just interesting because we're talking about handshakes and how, how there's a different style depending on the situation that you're in and, and what people are used to in their, in their own societies. Going back to interviews, most of the time, the handshake you're looking to do is going to be a one-handed, firm handshake that doesn't linger, <laughs> and you don't stare in the other person's eyes for too long when you're making that handshake otherwise that just gets creepy but yes look them in the eye while you're shaking their hand but don't linger don't linger (laughs) so yeah so now that you've had your interview you're done you've managed not to be a total creeper it's time to say goodbye and do some things after the interview and sometimes after the interview is just as important Uh, a thank you note uh, even if it's an email but a handwritten thank you note still really sets you apart these days especially since few people do them so a thank you note thanking them for the interview maybe reiterating uh, some part of the conversation that you really enjoyed with them so that they can you know bring you to mind quickly and then within a week or so if you haven't heard after about I don't know five to seven days go ahead and follow up and say, I really enjoyed the interview. Uh, Do you have any more information about the job? Or do you have anything else that you need from me? You know, is there something else you need from me? So, so there are some things that you can do to kind of follow up, impress upon them that you're very interested in the job. And that's the other thing following up shows that you are interested in the job. And you're, you're not just doing a whole bunch of applications and moving on and just hoping for somebody to bite, you know, this says, I'm interested in the job, and and willing to do what it takes. Yeah, and your follow-up should be more than just saying, hey, I've been waiting for a response. Let me know. Do I have the job or not? Let me know when you're going to tell me. Following up should be about providing even more insight. It's like the second portion of the interview that they didn't even ask for. What you can do when you follow up is you say, you know, hey, you know, I was just thinking about our interview or I was just thinking about the discussion we had and 
I realized that, you know, such and such a thing would help you or would give you a little more insight into something going on at the company. You know, just just a little piece of something that's more than just, hey, I'm waiting for a response because that's not going to be helpful to your cause at all. The follow up should be just as professional and just as insightful and just as personable as as you are, uh, because that will definitely leave a great impression on them. And sometimes, you know, sometimes these decisions can take weeks. That's not any kind of indicator that you did something wrong or you're in competition with a lot of other people. Every company has its own process. Some might be able to tell you when you leave the interview. Some might need to wait weeks or even a month before you hear back So keep busy in the meantime. Don't put all of your eggs in one basket. Don't try to pin your hopes too much on this one job. Keep going, keep interviewing, keep getting those interviews and keep keep impressing and keep practicing. Yeah, definitely. So let's talk about a few specific tips that we can offer uh, in terms of um, just things that you should or shouldn't do in an interview beyond the, the, the general things that we've talked about so far. So I think one of the things is to pay attention to, uh, you know, we like to think of name dropping. We like to feel like we're important, but be careful about that. One of the things that I found interesting was I was talking to a an HR person who does a lot of hiring and I was talking to her and she said, we like to ask a question. We like to ask, who have you influenced? And she said that the people they prefer to hire are people who talk about influencing, like, I guess the little people, right? Like whether you've been a mentor, whether you've helped like your brother or whether you helped somebody at your last job who was in a position before below you and participated in a mentoring program. Uh, they're actually not very interested when you're sitting around talking about, oh, I had such a profound influence on drop big name or my last CEO relied on me so heavily. They don't actually like to see that. They like to see that you're willing to help other people along and that you have a team kind of feel about it, right? So you're more interested in, you know, the people you influence or people that you can help and that you can bring along with you rather than trying to associate yourself with, you know, glory. Obviously, uh, you know, I, I agree. 100% with that. And, but there's, there's another thing that I know I struggle with. And you can probably tell through all the rambling that I do on podcasts. If you are asked the general question, so tell me about yourself. And you know that a lot of interviews start that way. It's common to go into a little too much detail. TMI, uh, I know that I've done that before, but uh, it's, it's good to keep this professional and to talk about professional things. And again, show that you're human too. You might want to share some of the interests that you have, but when you have a life map like mine that goes off in different directions and is pretty extensive, you don't want to go into every little thing because that can just uh, totally derail the interview and you don't need to do that. Be human, be honest, be yourself, but keep a lot to yourself too. Yeah, that's another one of those fine line situations <laughs> that you need to kind of pay attention to. But yeah, when you when you talk about yourself, kind of keep it to some of your professional background, especially stuff that relates to the job you're applying for. And then, you know, look for a couple of personal likes and hobbies or, or things that you do. I've pretty much got it down to I like reading, I like traveling, <laughs> and and I like being outdoors and, you know, talking about that a little bit rather than um, going into huge detail. Yeah, absolutely. So one of the big questions that you're often asked in an interview is the salary. You know, what 
salary are you looking for? That's always a tricky question because you can't not answer it because then you're seeing as avoiding the the issue. But if you do answer it, there's a potential of locking yourself into a certain number. So it's best to avoid those discussions completely or give a range or talk about, well, you know, at my last position, I was in such and such a range. This is going to be significantly additional responsibility here. So, you know, I'm thinking, you know, a salary that's commensurate with the experience and responsibilities. If they don't let you get away with a general number, you can say that you're not comfortable, and but you do want to have some market research going in so you know exactly what to expect. Uh, market research and also company research. You want to know how that company pays. Thank- thankfully, there are some sites that offer a little bit of guidance, not to say that they are accurate. But there are sites out there that you can look into, like salary.com. It's best not to lock yourself into something very specific. Usually, the first interview that you have with a company is not even going to be with somebody who makes those salary determinations. If it's too high or if it's too low, they're filtering you out. It's best to remain as noncommittal as possible in those first interviews until you get the job offer. And you can also say, you know, that's something that I'd be happy to, to discuss at a, at a later time once we figure out whether this is the right position for me. And as an interviewer, I ha- would have no problem with something like that. I wouldn't even be asking the question in the first place, but I know that a lot of people do. And they've got to understand that you don't want to lock yourself in. And there's they, they really shouldn't need to ask it at that point anyway. Yeah, and that's and that's something that I think we actually need to move away from in our society where we don't talk about salary and people try and keep it under wraps. One of the things I do like about where I work right now is that they list everybody's salaries and the salaries are based on a formula. And <laughs> rather than, you know, it's based on like they have X salary range for writers and then where you fall in that range is based on your experience. And then they have, if you live in an expensive city, they have a, an extra stipend based on where you live. You know, it's a formula thing. It's not based on your previous salary. It's not based on, you know, anything like that. It's just like this formula and you can look and you can see how it's done. And I think that we would have a lot better. <laughs> situation if we did that. Because part of the problem that you have, and we could probably talk about this on another episode, is negotiating salary is such a minefield. And if you don't do it right the first time, and all of your other salaries are based on your previous salary, then you're screwed. So yeah, so that's part of the issue too. Like, and they're like, hey, what do you make right now? You know, and it's like, well, I'm not interviewing for the job I have now. I'm interviewing for this job and I'm hoping to make more. So it's really hard to kind of answer that question. So yeah, and one of the things that we mentioned earlier in the show is that you should come prepared with questions to ask the interviewer, because this is a conversation, it's a two-way relationship here, and it's not just the company interviewing you, you're interviewing them to see if this is the if this company is the right fit for you. So we did talk about some of the good questions to ask before, so go back to that in the earlier in the podcast and, and really focus on figuring out what those questions are going to be, so you can come prepared to interview the interview. Yeah, and that's a that's a really big thing is is to think about these questions. Because when they're like, hey, do you have anything you want to know from me? Sitting there and just staring at them going, no, this <laughs> is a terrible thing. <laughs> and one of the things I did was I actually asked at each level, I I asked when last time I did the interviews, I asked the editors that were going to be editing me, I said, uh, what do you 
dislike about working here? And what is your favorite thing about working here? So I did actually ask them those questions. Um, and then, you know, other questions you can ask kind of show insight, like what will I be doing here? Or what does your day like? Or something like that to get them talking about how they feel about the company so that you can also get an idea of how you might fit in. Yeah, absolutely. So what are some of the things that we can do right now to prepare for our next interview where we can impress the people we're speaking with? The first thing to do is think about common interview questions and then write down your answers. And you can Google this and we'll include some some links that you can use as well for common interview questions so that you can look at those, see what the most common questions are, and then prepare ahead of time. So write down those answers and then practice answering them so that you sound natural. Yeah. And to be careful, you don't want to sound rehearsed. Like I said, you want to sound natural. You want to sound like the answer you're coming up with is very articulate, but it's also off the top of your head. Can you do that? You might have to practice it a little bit. Yeah, definitely. And then another thing to do is think about and map out what you want your career to look like. That way you're ready to talk about what success means to you. You're ready to talk about your five-year plan and do a little research as well into the sort of advancement opportunities offered in that company. Because you can also talk about how you hope to you know, move into management or you hope to take the next step within that company. So map that out so that you have an idea what it looks like so you're prepared to talk about it. Yeah, and, and write down some of those questions that you want to ask them as well. That's just that's just as important as writing down the answers to the questions that you feel you'll be asked. You want to be prepared with those questions, like we've said several times throughout the throughout this podcast. Write down those questions that show that you are insightful and you researched this position and the company and that you are really interested. Show them that you're interested by being prepared by writing down those questions. Exactly. So now we do have a listener question. This one is something that actually resonates pretty well with me. It says, I hate when interviewers ask me what animal or tree I'm most like. How do I come up with an answer to something like that? And this actually happened to me. I was when I was in college, I was involved, I, I applied for this internship program, this sort of fast track to middle management internship program with a retailer. And the question they asked was, what tree are you most like? And I was just totally thrown. I'm like, how does that have to do with anything? So I still don't know how to answer that question. But maybe Harlan, you have some insight. Oh, no, it's it's a pretty stupid question. And, and I think the reason, and it's not a great reason, that companies, that interviewers will ask that question is because they want to see how how you think laterally and how you think um, creatively. But most of the time, it's not even necessary. And it's for, you know, like someone who wouldn't even necessarily need to express those skills. I mean, everybody's got to be creative. But uh, it's, it's, it's just one of those questions that's that I think it shows a weakness in the part of the interviewer, but still they're asking it. And if they are going to evaluate you based on your answer, it's more about how you answer the question and not about the specific answer, first of all. So, you know, I, I, a tree, I mean, if someone asked me what kind of tree I'm like, I, it's, I don't even know different types of trees other than some of the most basic, you know, oak, maple, coniferous, that sort of thing. But if someone asked me what the difference between some of those trees are, I couldn't really give you personality types of trees. But animals, sure. I mean, you can come up with an animal that fits your personality. Everybody kind of has 
some connection to an animal in some way. If if not, then they should think about it just a little bit and see what kind of animal that they would most likely be like. I like cats, so I guess I would answer cat and come up with some ways that a cat is like me, but also I wouldn't spend a lot of time on this because, you know, I'd, I'd, I'd just redirect the, the interview as much as possible to something that's more relevant and, you know, something I'd be more comfortable with. But the question is asked, at least if it's asked by an experienced interviewer, it's asked to determine how you react to such questions and not necessarily how you answer such questions. And of course, the question is also asked by inexperienced interviewers who just think that it's a funny question to ask and they want to see people squirm, which is just a sign of a bad interviewer. So good luck. Yeah. Good times. Good times. Yeah. I was trying to think of like, how would I, well, I hate that question, but you know, if somebody asks me what animal I am, I always say dragon. (laughs) Like when people are like, what's your spirit animal? Well, it's a dragon. What do you want me to say? Yeah, that's good. It's not even sure, a real thing. <laughs> or, you know, <laughs> what kind of tree are you? I mean, it's like, I don't know. I'm an aspen. I grow aggressively and work well with others, right? Because aspens have that network of roots, right? So many aspen trees are part of one tree. <laughs> they're one They're one ecosystem. <laughs> so I don't know. It'd be like, you know, I grow fast. I get into it. But I'm also connected to others and like the team. <laughs> there's There's something you can use for your tree. Yeah, that's that's pretty rehearsed. (laughs) (laughs) So bad. Or better yet, look for a company that doesn't ask stupid questions. (laughs) Yeah, of course, you're you're interviewing because you want the job and you just have to kind of put up with some of the silly things that an interviewer might put you through. And, you know, it's all about just smiling and enjoying it and not taking it too seriously. I, I I think it comes down to just coming up with an answer that shows that you're creative and you think about things in a, you know, it's, I wouldn't even say a unique way because they're really, it's, it's all, it's, it's someone who asks you that question in an interview in an interview asks everybody that question in an interview. And I think it's more of an amusement for them. So I, I wouldn't worry about it too much. I would just, Enjoy the conversation, make light of it a little bit, and uh, don't worry too much about providing the correct answer to that. Or even one as good as Miranda's, where it's you know actually relevant, and it shows that you know a lot about trees, and it shows that you are pretty self-aware of your strengths, or at least the strengths that you want to show them, working well with others, for example. It's just one of those things that you can't take too seriously. And hopefully you'll have an interviewer that doesn't expect you to come up with whatever they think the right answer is. Yeah. And that's the hard thing, too, is making sure that, you know, you're not trapped. And what is the right answer? A lot of the time there is no real right answer. So with that said, we would like you to invite you to come to our community on Facebook. Join us on the adulting community on Facebook, hashtag adulting, and tell us your favorite interview experience or your favorite interview horror story, because those horror stories can, you know, be fun too. But come (laughs) and join the conversation on our adulting Facebook page and let us know your interview story. We would love to hear from you. Also, make sure you come over and subscribe to us on Apple Podcast. You can find that 
that at adulting.tv forward slash iTunes. Go ahead and leave us a review. Let us know what you think. Also go to adulting.tv slash ask and send us a question. We'll go ahead and try to answer it in a blog post or in a video or right here on the podcast. Until next time, act like an adult. Thank you for listening to Adulting. Find resources for this episode or download other episodes at adulting.tv. Adulting.tv.